we're going to praise the Lord together, starting with chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 3. And here's what God says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him. Um, hang on just a second. Okay, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. God is eternal. And in eternity past, hard to think about, but God, if you are a Christian, God knew your name. Uh, and he knew your whole life, your whole life was before him. And he knows the ones of us that will continue in his grace and the ones of us who will uh, back out, the ones of us who will will turn away and turn to our own thinking and our own life. But the fact is, if you are in Christ, you do not have a life that is your own. You were bought with a price. You are made a bond slave to Jesus Christ, and that will be the guiding light for everything you do. And it isn't hard. It's not uh, by might or not by power that you have. It's not by strength of your will uh, to bear down and act like Christian, it's only enough that Christ be allowed to take charge of your life. Because if you are a Christian, truly, you are in Christ and he is in you and Christ is in God and you are associated with God forever. And if that is true, it will, you have absolute security. The scripture says that you are sealed in Christ and that you can know, as Paul said, I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him.
And so Ephesians 1, 4 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. Now, notice what he's chosen and ordained. It will be, my friend. There is no such thing that you should get to the end of your life and be carnal or you should be fleshly. When you get at the end of your life, you should be absolutely uh, victorious in Christ, uh, which is what he says, because he tells us in the next verse, verse 5 of Ephesians 1, he says, having predestined, that means chosen beforehand. So this is something that was done a long time ago. Having predestined us unto the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. I don't know how you think about heaven, but I hope that you will come, if you haven't, to think about it, that you not only in heaven are a child of God, but you are sons, both the women and the men. Uh, there is no difference in Christ uh, between the two. Uh, the only thing that matters is that you are a son in Christ. And being a son means that you will receive a part of the inheritance that God the Father is going to leave for Jesus Christ, and you will participate in that. Uh, there's none of us who are sitting here who can understand how wonderful that will be. Uh, so having predestinated us unto the adoption of sons by uh, Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. By the way, that is why God made you. He made you for himself. And he meant to be with you forever. And so Paul says in verse 6, to the praise of of the glory of his grace. And there's more he's going to say about that. Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now, who do you think the beloved is? You guys on the, on Zoom are going to have to help me out because I've only got 
uh, three of us here tonight. Uh, so who, uh, who said that? Jill. That's right. He's made us accepted in the beloved who is Christ, in whom we have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Wherein, he, verse 8, he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us, verse 9, the mystery of his will. And you see, uh, if you know Christ and you have that life, then you are um, privy to know what the rest of the world does not know, the mysteries that you have. In Christ that the world is has no idea about, according to his good pleasure, which he has purchased or proposed in himself. And verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, now who remembers uh, what the word dispensation means? management of his household that's right the management of his household in other words god has chosen to manage his household uh, for the fullness of times that he might gather together in one that means in christ all things in christ both which are in heaven and which things are on the earth, even in him. Now, I didn't tell you this, and it's not right here. Uh, we find this, and uh, I believe it is Second Peter, but it may be First Peter. I mean, I get them confused sometimes. But you are also, think of it a priest of the Most High God. Secondly, you are a king. Men or women, you will have an authority greater than the angels. In fact, you will judge angels. The scripture tells us uh, when you are in his kingdom. And even uh, during the millennial kingdom here on the earth, or even now in this life, Christ has already made you kings and priests unto him. And that is the way he manages his household and you are going to be a 
big part of the way God manages his household in eternity. Uh, so that in a dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in him. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained. Remember I told you that you, you get an inheritance? Listen, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him and who do you suppose that is? And I will tell you that it is not Christ. Who is him? God the Father. Uh, in whom we obtain an inheritance being, being predestinated that means to be marked out beforehand according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. By the way, have you looked at what's going on in the world today? Of course you have. You couldn't miss it. What's going on as far as the apostasy of the church. What's going on with the anti-Semitism? Uh, it's in the world today. Uh, what's going on with the wars and the rumors of wars and the evil of men on every hand? All you have to do is turn on the news or read uh most newspapers, uh, you will at least see something about the fact that this world is in great trouble. We are heading, I, I continue to tell you this, I have no doubt about it, we are heading into trouble before the rapture like you have never imagined and it will come but i wanted to tell you that there isn't one thing that's going to happen not to the smallest detail that god has not uh, ordained and worked according to the counsel of his own will. Why, as far as you're concerned, verse 12, that you should be to the praise of his glory. And why? Because he has taken a man uh, or a woman who is a sinner and he uh, has remedied 
his situation and that he could find that he was unable to work the will of God. And even if he tried hard, even if he kept the law in every detail, that man will find that it was, it's to no avail. It is God who worked that. And that is the gift of God. And that's why Ephesians says, by grace, are you saved? And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works. Don't, don't get caught up in that idea that so many have that living a Christian life is a matter of your own will. It is a matter of the will of God and the life of Jesus Christ. You are saved unto good works, not by good works. And many think that they are going to tell God about all their good works when they get to heaven. But unless their good works have been worked by Christ, in which case they're going to hold their head down. And they're going to give God the glory for every good work because it will be God who does anything that is good and acceptable in his eyes. So the verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Now, he's referring there to the apostles and the early church, but the same goes for you. In whom you also, now he's dealing with you, in whom you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed. And remember, it's only after we believe that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. That's you. You are the purchased possession, and you were purchased by the blood and the death and the life uh, of Jesus Christ, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So what is this all about? 
And in a word, it is about glory to God. Do you know that the Bible says that God is going to hold you up for every thinking and righteous person in the universe and say, look what I have done. Praise be to God. Now, I'm going to move from where we are right now to verse 22. Uh, well, I think I, uh, I'll start with the uh, rest of chapter 1, verse 20. Uh, and it talks, well, night, verse 19 says and what he wants us to know this is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power what he is doing for us who have Jesus Christ is a work of power and so, uh, in the beginning of the book of Romans, he says, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone, to the Jew first, because they were the first ones to hear the truth, to the Jew first, and to also the Greek. And I know you're not from Greece, but according to the, the, the verbiage of that verse, you are considered a Greek. In other words, there were only Jews and Greeks in that time that were spoken of. Uh, and um, so verse 20 in chapter 1 says what he wrought in Christ. What's it? I never asked you this. Do, do you know you get an idea of what it means to be wrought. Tell me what wrought iron is. David, you ought to know what wrought iron is. Can you tell me? Well, nobody's <laughs> nobody's gonna gonna bite on this one. Uh, wrought iron. Uh, is made and was made in Paul's time with a piece of iron that wasn't formed, but God wrought us. And that piece of iron, somebody heated over an open flame until it was red hot and he hit it 
with a hammer. And he kept hitting it until it was in the proper shape, the shape that he wanted. And that's what each of us is. When God gets us, he gets us as uh, the just simply the material that he will pass through the fire. And then with great power, he will, he will pound us with his uh, living hammer until we are, are shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's what the word wrought means. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now, that means heaven but uh, heaven's a lot more than we think and it's gonna be a lot more than any of us can imagine but he says in verse 21 that after he he pounds us into shape like Jesus Christ that we are going to be far, far above all principality, all power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet. And that is Christ. Uh, and he did that uh, in conjunction with bringing you to himself. And he put all things under his feet. And when we lay our life down on that altar and say, Lord, Form me into Jesus, into the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, we know that he is going to do it in such a way that we will be like Christ, who is everything is under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that felleth all and all. And so uh, understand that being formed into the, in the image of the person of Christ means uh, that we are then brought into that which we call the church, the ecclesia 
I I have an attaboy for anybody who can tell me what the definition of ecclesia is. Okay, David. Called out ones. That's right. So when you say, I belong to the church of Jesus Christ, you are saying that I am a called out one. And who, Jill, are you called, or what are you called out from? Out of the world? Out of the world. When you come to Christ, you are no longer considered a person in the world. You are considered as called out of that world. And so that's why he says in First John, love not the world. And there are some people that think they can... Uh, take a shortcut and bypass uh, the word that they will find and the fellowship and the, uh, the synergy that comes about in the body of Christ, the called out ones, and that they can uh, be like all the rest of those uh, who are going to be in heaven. I tell you, without the church, we are nowhere. Without, as you people, for example, came tonight, you took your time to listen to the word of God. You are called out of the world and you came out of the world as far as whatever else you could have been doing, to, because you are part of the church, and the church is the body of Christ in this earth. Well, what do I mean? I mean this. I mean Christ has a body, but he has gone. To heaven and he sits at the right hand of God and so where is he in this world and the answer is you are the body of Christ collectively all of you together make up the very person of Jesus Christ as, as it was that he for a short time was in the earth and you now are in the earth, part of the body of Christ. And it's important and it's something that you should take seriously and not put worldly activities in front of that 
And if you do, you do it to, to great damage, for great damage to yourself because you are meant to function. And I can take you to 1 Corinthians 12, and I could read the whole chapter, and it would tell you that in the church, why you are there, and that you are necessary to receive what you receive from other Christians and what you receive as you hear uh, and as the word of God is taught and as you read your Bibles, all of that is part of your being, the body of Christ in this world. And God has put all of the of the world under Christ and uh, talks about in verse 23, uh, the church, which is his body. See, I didn't make that up, did I? The fullness of him that felt all and all. In other words, there, when he's done building his church, there is going to be nothing of God that hasn't been wrought in that body. So, now, I'm going to move, if you would, To chapter 2 and read a few verses and then I'm going to move again. So chapter 2 verse 1 and you. So what did I tell you about tonight's lesson? It's mostly about your experience in Christ and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And if that word quickened throws you, it simply means that, and you hath he made alive. You were dead in trespass and sin. But having believed the truth and been born again, you are alive in Jesus Christ, and he is the only life we have. And as far as the way you live your life, or you would live your life without him, uh, verse 2 has something to say. Where in time past, this should be for all of us, time past. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who is that, Alice? 
Satan. Satan. That's that's the devil. You walk according to the power of um, of the devil, the prince of the power of the air. Yeah, he's also called the prince of this world and about 10 other things uh, that all describe him. He is, as it says in verse 2, the spirit. And Satan is a spirit. He is not a man. According to the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That is to those who are without Christ. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. In other words, we had our own experiences. In what? Verse 3. In the lust of the flesh. In other words, your body wants things, and you wanted them too, and you've been saved from that. In the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Notice there are two things at work here. There's what you do to satisfy the flesh and what you think about and when I find myself thinking contrary to righteous thought then I need to get before God and confess that thought to him the lust of the flesh the fulfilling of the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature this is what we all were every one of us and I pray that it not be any of us now and were by nature the children of wrath even as others and I could read you on and on and on about the final destination of the children of wrath. That is, those who were without Christ, who went into eternity without Christ, they are going to eternally live in outer darkness and I'll use the words of Jesus, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is something that never ends. It's forever being a child of God's wrath. God is angry. And all, and if you are a Christian, you are not a sinner, but you are justified, but you are sanctified, and you are finally glorified, and you are not 
a child of wrath. If so be that Christ lives in you. But let me tell you that those who are children of wrath will suffer the wrath of God for eternity. And it's not me saying that. I, I would have done it some other way, except there is no other way. But God, who is rich, verse 4, in mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us. Even, verse 5, when we were dead in sins, and then we're born again, he hath quickened us, made us alive in Christ, together with Christ, by grace you are saved. For not one work that you did. There will be works that you will do by the Holy Spirit, but there's not one work of your will that will ever satisfy God. You know, Paul in verse in chapter seven of Romans said something that's always stuck with me. He said this about will, the will. I, I know so many Christians or people who call themselves Christians who are willful. They are going to have it their way. They're argumentative. They're, uh, they're going to satisfy themselves. And they're going to apply their will to their life so that they can get what they want. Here's what Paul said about will. I hope none of us are willful, or if we are willful, that God works his will to make us meek and compliant in his hand to be wrought in the image of Jesus Christ. But Paul said this, to will is present with me. My friend, as long as you are in this body, now, when you get your new body, there will be no self-will. You will love God with such uh, fervor. There won't be any idea of your ever doing anything just because it was what you wanted. And so he says, even when we were dead in trespass and sin, he has raised us or quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. That means there is not one work that you do uh, that uh, causes you 
or that has any part with your salvation. There may be many works that the Spirit does in you, but you don't get the credit for them. Uh, it's amazing to me that First Corinthians tells me God rewards us for our works of faith. But the fact is, they are all done by him. Isn't he a great God? Verse 6, and have raised us up together. That means us and Christ. And made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, we might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by Miss Betty used to quote this verse all the time. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. Do you know, my friend, that if you have saving faith, then it's because God gave it to you. Isn't he a good God? He did it all. Therefore, he should get all of me and all of you. For by grace are you saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, the night to man. Amos Al Moore, his wife's name was Phyllis. They're long. They've gone to their reward long ago. But I remember Al saying to me, if I have a gift for you here in my hand and you want that gift, what do you have to do to get it? Who wants to tell me what you have to do to get that gift? Jill, tell me. You just take it and believe. Right? In other words, and you just reach out. But you have to do that. You have to reach out and receive it. And so the scripture says to as many as have received him to them he gave the power to become the children of God it goes on here it is a gift of God not a result of works why if it 
Well, what's it say there? Reading verse eight with me. He says it's not a result of works. Why? Because he will not allow another to take his glory. Lest any man should boast. And there are those who call themselves Christians who think they are somehow special from other Christians or they are special to God because they have been saved. I'd say that's an evil thought and they should repent. No, it's not of works lest any man should boast. However, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created. My friends, when you're born again, you are a new creation. God has done a work of power. Your spirit was dead. And he, by a work of creative power, to just think of him creating the universe. That was nothing compared to the what he created when he recreated you in the image of Jesus Christ. For we are his workmanship. How? Created in Christ Jesus. What? Unto good works. See, that good works comes from the spirit of God that he put in you the day you were born again. And there's nothing too hard for you. There's no temptation taken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted more than you are able. But will with the temptation make a way to escape. That verse is for even the youngest sinner, or pardon me, the youngest believer in Jesus Christ. Why? Because that power which he gives you to resist temptation wherever you are on that path, that power is from God. And with every temptation, believing that God is greater in your life, for example, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resisting the devil he is always about tempting us 
one way or the other, but we resist them by believing that we have victory over that temptation in Christ. And the moment we believe that, that temptation is gone. We are tempted no more. If you go one more step beyond that, and the Bible talks about this, but I don't have time tonight to redo that scripture. But God will set you aside if you ask during every temptation that you ever will have. So we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that you should walk in them. And that, my friends, and my brothers and sisters in Christ is the lesson for the seed. I will take up this lesson Sunday because I'm only about halfway through. And so now, uh, are there any questions? I said thanks tonight, uh, and you may have a question, Jill. I, I just have something that my, my Bible has a side note on it. I just thought was sort of uh, provoking. Anyway, um, chapter 1, verse 11, where it says that we have obtained an inheritance. So dealing with the word inheritance. And it, my notes say that you could act, that that could also be translated. We were made his inheritance, that both are true. And... Uh well, Jill, I'll, I'll, um, what Bible are you using? My, my Ryan study Bible. Oh, okay. Your Ryrie study Bible. Yeah. And, it, and I, I was, I was thinking on it and well, first off the word inheritance, sometimes you think of you're receiving something. I mean, you get an inheritance well, you do. But, and you do, and I'm not disputing that. But but when you looked at it from this point, it was Christ was our inheritance. Christ is my inheritance. And the church is, was, is, is, I call it an um, inheritance, but he loved us first and died for it. He didn't need anything. He didn't need me. No. But he loved me. Yes. And he wanted to God through Christ to show his love and kindness. Because scripture says that his surpassing love and kindness towards us. That he saved us and he's going to show us. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, just like uh, if you, as your family, ahead. my grandchildren, that's what I would consider more of an inheritance than money or whatever. Yes. He's going to show us like that. He's going to say that, look what I, look at this. We're going to be a, an example for eternity. Okay, Jill. Yes. Off, off the top of my head, uh -huh. I can't answer your question because I have never looked into that thought. But yeah. I, I will look into it. Okay. I'll come back to you and tell you if I think it's appropriate that That's we right. believe that uh, we've uh, not obtained an inheritance, but that we were an inheritance. Uh, it, um, yeah. We, and that it's something that was... Uh, that we have we are is that what you mean we are inheritance that we well we have a, we've obtained an inheritance which is christ and then this says that that piece of scripture could be interpreted as well that we were made his inheritance okay so it uh, just puts a little different yeah, uh, I never heard that, uh, but there's lots of things I haven't heard and lots of things I don't know. And so mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to your question, uh, but I will see if anybody else, uh, I'll look into my RSV and some <laughs> of the, the uh, commentaries and so on and see if anybody else has had that idea. And until then, okay. uh, I'll just, uh, as far as my thinking, I'll stick with what uh, the King James plainly says, mm -hmm. although uh, uh, I know that we're referring here to a matter of interpretation or mm -hmm. what's called exegesis of mm -hmm. that scripture. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, thank you. Anybody else have a question? All right. I... Well, I saw your screen light up, John. Did you have a question? Or a thought? No. Oh, okay. 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 I just wanted to take it off. You had a question. You had a question. I might be able to answer. <laughs> okay. Good. If I want, he just, he just took it off. So oh. that he would be off. Okay. He's good. So, there being no more thoughts or questions, we'll close with this word of prayer. Father, oh, how great a salvation! I feel like I'd say, 
when in chapter 6, and you allowed Isaiah to see your glory. And Isaiah, Isaiah said, I am undone. In other words, I'm blown away. It's too much, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You not only show us great and marvelous things and truths, but you will be showing us your glory and each and even more that the world wasn't big enough. According to John, world wasn't big enough to contain all that should be said. So we praise you tonight. And I pray for these people and I'm with them. That means I pray for myself too. Lord, and we would glorify your name on the earth as we will in heaven. And that you would be pleased with us. And you would have no reservations, which you won't, in holding us in front of all of creation and saying, this is an example of my greatest work. Thank you, Lord. Meet these people. May they walk in that narrow path, having entered in through that straight gate. And may they not become weary in well-doing. And may they not be deceived by the devil or tricked by the world. But may they grow into the maturity, the fullness of the person of Jesus Christ. You, Father, have chosen to do this for all of us who have held out our hand to take the gift of salvation. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name. We pray for those who are weak. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray, Lord, for those that we know who are members of our family, our friends, are just people that we bump into. Lord, we pray 
that they would see and receive the marvelous gift of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. This I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All the people said, Amen.